It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the latest COVID numbers. We got an update yesterday. What's the latest there? Well, it's not the case numbers right now that are the concern, the daily case numbers. Um, it's the hospitalizations. Yeah. So in the last week, more than 800 people have been hospitalized with COVID-19, uh, the Omicron variant. Now, there's been many people coming out of hospital, so it's a net increase every day of, you know, 40, 50 a day, but the uh, overall uh, admissions are about 100 a day. And the ICU now is starting to get significantly more than just a few days ago. It's up almost up 16, I believe, in just a few days. And interesting, yesterday I got word that um, there are three kids, three people under the age of 19 in ICUs, all unvaccinated. We've never seen three young people in ICUs at one time before. Wow. So that's a concern. And a lot of this is in Fraser Health, uh, disproportionately. So you've got hospitals like Royal Columbia and Sur Memorial are really feeling the pinch here. So exacerbating this problem, just this avalanche of, of new people coming into the hospital, is the fact so many frontline healthcare workers are sick. So uh, almost 18,000 people last week in, in healthcare were off at least one day, um, which is well more than double yeah. the usual rate of sickness before the pandemic. So it's it's a double whammy here. Uh, more and more people seeking health care, fewer and fewer people there to deliver it. Okay, so there's some troubling signs there, but we continue to hear like maybe there's some optimism out there as well, right? That maybe this thing is... Are there signs well, that it could be burning itself out? Yeah, the projections from uh, from the modelers is that this is still going to get worse before it gets better, but it is going to yeah. get better. That uh, once we hit February, these uh, already the daily case numbers should be going down. The positivity rate should, is going down, but not by a lot. It's it's inching its way down, but the hospitalizations are going up much higher at a much higher rate than the cases are declining, and that's. Uh, but again, we don't have a bed shortage. Before the pandemic, people forget that sometimes, you know, back in the days when we did stories on hallway medicine, the, yeah. there was 101% capacity, 103% uh, sorry, occupancy in hospitals. People were in hallways, yeah. and we're not seeing that right now. In some places, I think we are, but I still think there was like 2,000 empty beds uh, available um, uh, yesterday. But again, back to the staff problem. When you've got 17, 18,000 healthcare workers left, many of them nurses, uh, that becomes a serious problem to deliver health care. Okay, how does that now impact Bonnie Henry's strategy going forward here? I mean, we did see her relax at least some of the restrictions this week on gyms and fitness centers being yep. allowed to gradually reopen, starting today, I believe, right? Starting today, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so despite the fact the hospitalizations are going up, relaxing some restrictions, what happens next now? Oh, I don't think anything's going to happen for a month. I think this is it. Um, you've got the uh, the bars and nightclubs will remain closed. You've yeah. got the fifty percent capacity rule uh, remain in place until mid February. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the Canucks games. You know, that's still sort of like the weird thing out there. Seeing eight, nine thousand people in Rogers Arena at a time when we're not supposed to be gathering. But what um, you think that could be scaled back? Uh, that's Dr. Henry has said she's always in contact with the Canucks. It's an ongoing discussion over over the situation and presumably with other hockey teams as well, which is the main indoor event these days. It, it's hockey. Uh, so that's one that's constantly being talked about. But um, so far, no, no change in anticipate until mid-February. Okay, let me ask you about an interview I did this morning with Kevin Falcon, the uh, liberal leadership candidate, mm. lar largely regarded as the front-runner uh, to win this thing next month, and the NDP going after him, which I think is a good, as a clear sign that he is the odds-on favorite. The NDP already attacking him, so they're going after him, saying that portraying him as an as an anti-working class elitist, <laughs> uh, 
uh, because of his criticism of NDP politicians as career politicians. So he says there's a lot of NDP uh, MLAs who have basically done nothing but politics for most of their adult working life. They don't have enough real-world experience in the private sector or elsewhere, and this is the reason they're doing a lousy job. Now, I asked him about this this morning, and the NDP turned around and said that shows that he's against working people because they're not all career politicians in there. And here's what he had to say to me. So here's what uh, Falcon said to me a short time ago, and then I'll get your thoughts. These are people that have spent their entire lives being professional politicians or staffers to politicians. In fact, the entire front bench, the leadership of the NDP uh, government today, whether it's Rob Fleming or Mike Farnworth or Adrian Dix or even the Premier Horgan, they've spent their entire lives as career politicians. And my concern about that is they haven't got the real-world experience that's necessary to deal with some of the big challenges we face. Okay, your thoughts. Yeah, well, we haven't heard that type of rhetoric for some time. And uh, in this pandemic, a lot of partisanship has disappeared in political discourse, and Falcon is bringing it back. Um, Interesting to look at the liberal side, though. I mean, Shirley Bond and Andrew Wilkinson are not exactly rookies when it comes to uh, to politics. All political parties have lots of veterans. I asked him about Shirley Bond, actually. He was was the current leader of the party, the interim leader, 20 years in the the legislature. And, you know, I said, well, what was her real world experience? What did she do before she got into provincial mm-hmm. politics? And he said she was a school board chair. She's a municipal politician before she well, became a provincial politician. And I would argue Shirley Bond has been one of the most effective politicians I've seen here, both yeah. uh, in, in government. She had a, she's had, a, I think she's probably holds a record number of cabinet portfolios over the years. She's been a cabinet, she was a cabinet minister from 2001 to 2017. Um, and uh, again, in opposition, she's proved to be a very effective opposition leader. So I'm not sure Falcon's argument holds weight. But it's interesting. He's brought a level of partisanship into politics now that has been absent for some time. It's going to be interesting to see if that pays off for him. Well, do you think, he's, uh, you think it's a good talking point for him? I mean, I had a caller earlier point out that, you know, this guy is not exactly new to politics himself. No. I mean, he was Gordon, Cam- Gordon Campbell cabinet minister. So he's coming back. Now he's coming back from the private sector. He got into real estate development, and he apparently was making a lot of money as a real estate mm-hmm. developer before he decided to get back into politics. Well, you know, we had uh, the debate on Global BC One, and Falcon made a, I thought he was most effective when he pointed out his experience in politics, not in the mm-hmm. private sector, but in politics, where he pointed out he was uh, the transportation minister, he was the health minister, he was the finance minister, three key portfolios. And I think a lot of people would agree that Falcon actually performed fairly well in those three portfolios. So on the one hand, he's using that as an argument why he should be leader because he's been a, an, an experienced politician. On the other hand, he's attacking politicians for being politicians. So. Okay. Let me ask you about this jam that uh, federal NDP leader Jugmeet Singh yeah. is, in, is in here now. Now, here's what happened. His wife, uh, who is a social media influencer, there seems to be a lot of those around these days anyway, uh, his wife is uh, Gurkaran Kaur Sidhu. She accepted a free rocking chair from a Canadian company. Newborn baby. Yeah, they got a newborn. Um, she, re- she accepted this free rocking chair from a Canadian furniture manufacturer called Monty Design. It was a Grand Jackson model rocking chair worth $1,895. In return for accepting this chair, she promoted the chair on her Instagram. And here's how that sounded. 
So I get home and I see that our rocker has come in and it is absolutely stunning. Made in Canada. Check them out. Okay, so that is Jugmeet Singh's wife there, Gurukhan Kaur Sidhu. Now, Jugmeet Singh got into trouble on this too mm -hmm. because he then he went on Instagram and he posted, posted a picture of him in the chair holding his baby and he put a tag, he put the company's name on his Instagram. Now, when this got, I tip the hat to CBC here for breaking this story. So here's what's happened now. They have now admit, they've now said they made a mistake. They've paid the company back that nearly two, 1900 bucks for the chair. $1,900 for a rocking chair. It's the most That's a nice rocking chair. It looks like a nice chair. And he's now being- Jet fueled. In, it's now being reviewed by the ethics commissioner. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, he's really stepped in it here. Um, He's up in front of the ethics commissioner. Remember Trudeau in front of the ethics commissioner. The NDP equated equated that with you know basically almost resignation material. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to lead to this. Worst thing's got to be a little care, a little cautious here. He's lost a couple of election campaigns, and mm -hmm. at some point the knives are going to come out for someone who can't um, in, not necessarily win the election, but not do better in terms of seat showing. So this is the first serious misstep by uh, Jugmeet Singh, I think. And to be in front of the ethics commissioner is never a good look for particularly an opposition politician. Yeah, and especially for a guy who is pre pretty squeaky clean up to this point. Yep. I mean, you know, this guy, he's been doing pretty well sort of on a, on a personal level. And like you say, he's been relentless and pitiless in going after Trudeau's ethical lapses. And now he lands think, in this jam. He's got a lot of personal popularity. And uh, this, is, this is uncharacteristic of him to do this. Uh, yeah. But he's found himself in a bit of a pickle. Back at Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 is the number, star 9898 on your cell. Dean and Langley. Hi, Dean, go ahead. Hey, thanks. I see that uh, Jasmine has publicly said he paid the company back the $1,800 for that rocking chair. Right. I'd like to see that he has also paid the taxes that the rest of us schmucks have to pay, or did he compound this faux pas with tax evasion? What, what, what taxes are you talking about? Sales tax. We all have to pay that. GST. Well, I mean, if he's if he's sell if he's giving the money back, well, that's always a good point. If he's buying the if he's effectively buying the rocking chair now for the company from the company, I assume he would pay sales tax on it. Well, if I, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't. So. Well, if, if it turns out to be no transaction, like if if, if they're not actually selling the chair to him. Um, <laughs> Uh, so he's he's saying he's now basically refunded the company for the value of the yeah, chair. Is I that mean, the same I, as a sale? Is, uh, is that yeah. <laughs> well, if he's given the money back for what, does it, what how much it costs, I think it's um, you know the access commission will be looking at that as well. Uh, you know, like you know, I mean, I, I don't think that's the real heart of the matter though, whether sales tax was paid. Or well, I I think the you know. I think he should pay the sales tax. I mean, if, if the position now is well, I shouldn't have taken this. We shouldn't have taken this chair. So now I'm going to pay for it. Well, okay, and you're now buying the chair. So therefore, you well, should pay the sales tax. Well, presumably, this, the ethics commission will be looking at stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens there. I mean, in the in the bigger scale of things, this is not the biggest scandal we've ever seen in politics. But no, like, not I, at all. like I said, it, it's it's one of those ones where it kind of surprised me. Like Singh has been a, a guest here in the show many times, and he he's an he's a nice he's a nice guy. He's yeah. a, he's kind of an, he's got an appealing kind of personal style in a lot yeah, of ways. He does. And and like I said, he's pretty squeaky clean image there. Mm -hmm. Which get is why there. this is uncharacteristic. Yeah, I mean to to put that chair out in his social media and put the company's name on it too. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Okay, like see, okay, your wife made a mistake and and did something maybe that reflects, but then you doubled down on it. You made yeah. it even worse. So I don't think that's very good for him. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number.
star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to uh, Mike on the line in Surrey. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike and Keith. Uh, hey, you know, I think Kevin Falcon's got a big road ahead of him to bring the Liberals back. You know, I was a Liberal. I was a big supporter of Kevin Falcon previously, but I've been suitably impressed with the NDP government as a whole, even with their career politicians. So if all he can really find is that who's got the most career politicians, the Liberals or the NDP, he's got a real challenge in front of him. And I don't think term limits are necessarily a wedge issue that's going to get everybody too excited. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure how how term limit would work very well no. in a provincial uh, government anyway. Yeah, well, the term limits is a non-starter. Uh, for Thanks people. for the call. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the Liberals have a huge challenge ahead of them, uh, You know, whether it's Kevin Falcon as leader or whether it's one of the others. I mean, they that election loss in 2020 was a crushing loss for them because they lost in places which were unimaginable just yeah. until recently, and that's places like Abbotsford, Chilliwack, and Langley. If the NDP can win there, they've established a beachhead there. That is completely flipped the electoral map on its head. And now you've got redistribution underway. We're going to add several seats uh, to the electoral map. Most of those are going to be in Metro Vancouver, where the NDP is strongest. The NDP, the Liberals are strong in the north and interior, but unfortunately for them, there's not enough seats out there to form power. And John Horgan, despite what Fal- how Falcon characterized him this morning as a, a, one of these NDP career politicians, he put Horgan in that category. Still very popular. He's, he's consistently at the top of the approval ratings yeah. for premiers across Canada. Oh yeah, no the uh, the liberals again. This is a huge. They're they're in a huge hole, and it's going to take more than oh. that kind of rhetoric to dig out of it. Okay, Ron in Burnaby. Hey, Ron. Hey, hey guys. Um, just little tongue in cheek, but uh, with a solid point. Um, does Adnan Khashoggi uh, own the uh, rocking chair company? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, it's a. Uh, if it was uh, if Adnan is uh, good enough for Trudeau, and he got away with it. Uh, why not with Jagme? Because, uh, you know, a, a nursing mother is a, that that is a Canadiana right there. Oh, okay, well, I don't know who owns who owns this company, no. but I mean, it's a nice looking rocking chair. It better be for nineteen hundred bucks. bucks. It's got to have so, a lot of bells and whistles on that thing. Let's go to Brian on the line in Nanaimo. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Yeah, hey, Mike. Yeah. Hey, first first time caller, so if I sound a bit nervous, I apologize. Um, All right, cool. I just want to talk. Uh, I've got, listen, I've got no skin in the game when I tell you my story, okay? There's no skin in the game here politically. Okay, you got 30 seconds to tell me it, okay? Okay, listen. Okay. Kevin Falcon saved my daughter's life. Plain and simple, and he has saved hundreds of girls' lives. He provided funding for an eating disorder clinic mm-hmm. in Vancouver called the Looking Glass Foundation. Right. And I took him to task on the Bill Good Show, etc., trying to save my daughter's life because she was dying, and he came up with the money. And at that point... During that time, Adrian Dix was the, the critic, health critic minister. And I've reached out to him again because my daughter has relapsed, and he will not return my calls. All I get is his flunkies, who don't even follow up on my messages, by the way. Okay, Brian, thank you for calling in today. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, there's... Well, Brian, send me an email. I'll see if I can uh, expedite you getting in contact with, uh, with Ms. Minister Dix. So send me an email. You can get that through the producer. Um, and again, Kevin Falcon, um, by all accounts, was a very credible um, and well-regarded minister of transportation, health, and finance, which makes it curious that he's criticizing people who hold those portfolios now.